This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains no spoilers to our knowledge, but does mention The Vampire Diaries, The Cruel Prince, and Aladdin. There are also discussions surrounding fatphobia, misogyny, and EDs. For full list, please see our show notes. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we have a very special guest, our new friend. This is author Deanna Ortega, and she is the author of Ruin and Roses. This is book one in the Cursed Kingdoms trilogy. I, I mean... I don't think there's an official number on it because we have like a prequel also coming, but we can say that she has a new book coming out later this year, Shadows and Lies, which is also still part of the Cursed Kingdoms series at this point. Welcome, Deanna. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hello, guys. How are you? So we've been talking for a while, and I do have to apologize because I have been sick this week, and I've clearly lost my voice. I'm sorry for anybody who decides to listen in on us today. Jess is sick, but that is, that is okay. We will work it through it. We have our very new friend, Deanna, here. We're very excited to talk about your book, talk about you, talk about all things, and really just shine a light on this wonderful uh, book that you have and this series that you have created because... I was doing a little research and I saw that there's a prequel also kind of in the loop here. Yeah. Yes. So I am like 23,000 words into the prequel and we're going to be introduced to characters we meet in Shadows and Lies and Ruin and Roses, but we're going to be in their POVs. There are currently five POVs in the prequel. Um, and I love every single one of them so deeply, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet them because I'm a feral little rodent for their interactions. <laughs> so, so like, obviously, we've both read Ruin and Roses and Shadows, uh, Shadows and Lies is not out yet. What inspired you to be like with this world that you've created with Curse Kingdoms that you're like, you know what we need? We also like a prequel is necessary here also. Um, so I have 500 years of history written for this series and a lot of things. So one, the way Shadows and Lies ends, I'm sorry in advance. Like I'm truly deeply (laughs) sorry in advance. I hurt myself too. Um, the way book three starts is not one that can answer questions as well. Um, as if we were to jump three years into the past with other parties that are affected by what's going on. Um, And so it just makes the most sense for the prequel to happen because there are technically two planned prequels, this one and then one that is 500 years ago. Um, But book three will come out before the 500 years ago one. So nobody unalives me. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) 
but it just made the most sense explaining it from their perspectives because I love Jade. Like I am literally in love with her little hot headed bullshit that she does, but she is a confused bitch. Like, <laughs> and we end the book, we end SNL in such a way that she's just like, she's just going to be in an even more compromised position for learning new things. And so I just want to clear things up before we jump into book three and give you guys other things to look forward to despite the ending of Shadows and Lies. I love it. Okay, so you have 500 years of history that you have here. You have two prequels planned. You have you have like a trajectory, right? You have a vision. Um, where did this vision come from? What, where, where, where did this come from? These characters, this world, all of it. Okay, so like it originally started on Twitter. There was a pitch event for, um, I hadn't written in like any new material in like two years. And there was a pitch event where it was witch pitch. And um, it was just books about witches. And so I challenged myself to like come up with an idea for like a series about witches because witches have always interested me. And I couldn't do it. Like I literally was like drawing blanks after blanks after blanks. And then I sat down at my computer and I actually wrote the cave scene. The cave scene was the first scene. Yes. I wrote the cave scene. And I loved the concept of a powerless, like a powerless princess. Um, Just because honestly, like, um, I do consider myself like a feminist and like, I love the contrast of like a, like when we see princesses in fantasies, they're always so powerful. They're always so badass. They're always so. And so like, I liked the contrast of a princess being born into power, but being powerless. And obviously I loved like the energy of Liam, um, the moment I wrote the cave scene and I, it's kind of a culmination of like Aladdin meets Cruel Prince meets like Damon Salvatore meets Catherine Pierce meets Elena Gilbert, like all crammed into two people. And I, I just loved them so much. And the more I wrote for her, the more I wrote like that snippet of history, like the retelling, like when she's on the Blisterberries. Um, the more I felt so deeply in love with that story and the more it just like expanded. And I was just like, she's powerless. Like she's powerless in her life. She's powerless in magic. And then she like has a mentor who manipulates her and takes advantage of her. And um, so like, I don't know if that answers your question at all. I mean, I know that I'm rambling, but it it just like, I don't know. Like I, there's no specific point, but I can say like, I wanted to write a book about witches I wrote the cave scene and then I really wanted to write about a woman who should be so powerful, but is powerless and comes into her own power on her own terms and learns herself on her own terms. Well, Liam even says that he's like, she's like, oh, I had no choice. And he like, and he says that like in his like little like one liners throughout um, Ruin and Roses where he's like, when are you going to realize like. You, yeah. you hold all the power, but like, that's, yeah. that's, that's your own, you know, your own cross that you have to kind of bear and figure out and one, you know, kind of step into your own, like you were saying. Yeah. And I really like, again, it's one of those things where I grew up on like reading fantasies where like 
the girl is like so heavily aided by like someone else or like a love interest or whatever. And it's not that I hate that. Obviously, those are the books that I grew up reading. But I just love the idea of like, Liam literally is so willing. Like, honestly, one of my favorite scenes is when Jane tells Liam to go save Dree in the Dower's home. And he turns on his heel and he goes after Dree because he respects that despite the precarious position she's in, she can handle it herself. And like, that for me, like that was the like crux of like the Jane's story and like the character's story in general is like everybody had to choose to trust that they were powerful enough to like save themselves. And I love that so much. Oh, that is a that is beautiful. That is, that is such a great answer. Oh my gosh. I don't know if that makes sense. It, absolutely, it does. absolutely does. It makes perfect sense. So you're bringing up you're bringing up Liam, you're bringing up um uh Jane, you're bringing up all these characters. Did these characters uh, like come to you fully formed? I, like <laughs> I often joke with my other author friends that there are two stages of writing. Um some in which I climb into the driver's seat of the car and one of my characters pushes me into the passenger seat <laughs> and blasts like Taylor Swift's version. <laughs> like, Taylor's and, version like, has always. No, and has no hands on the steering wheel while, they, <laughs> while we scream at the top of our lungs. And then there's the other part, which is where they put me in the trunk of the car. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. So yeah, I had no choice with any of my characters like Lux I literally like Dree I had a fully different plan for Dree when I first like started typing at my computer and the more I typed for her and I was like she's a bad bitch like she excuse like she's actually a bad bitch and I had no choice but to make her a bad bitch um so yeah I didn't I didn't do this (laughs) they did this and I know that that sounds crazy but that's what happened that's so consistent for like what we've heard from other authors where you're like, you have this one idea of like where your character is going to go, but then the characters have a mind of their own and they're like, I don't know what my fingers are doing. Everything is just like, I'm being told what to write at this point. Yeah. I literally joke that the apple scene, I had no clue what Jane was doing until blood started <laughs> pissing out of that girl, that poor girl's nose. I literally had no clue. Like, there was no plan. She was walking. And then all of a sudden there's blood pissing out of this poor service nose. And I'm like, Jane, babes, like this might make you look bad for readers. Like I got to let you know, like they might not love this for you. <laughs> but see, I did. I loved that. Because I did it's love like, it. Yeah. Because it's so, I, I just felt like Jane was so relatable so often where she's like, I don't, I like, you know, the jealousy's there, but she doesn't want to admit the jealousy's there. But she's like, but it's like that I can't have you and I don't want to have you, but nobody else should have you either. So you're just going to be pissed at the world. And she, I love, and she was like self aware enough to know that too. But there was still a little, she's like, but I don't fucking care. I liked that. Honestly, Jane's internal monologue is probably the most relatable thing I've ever written in my entire life. And I'm on book three this year. And, and her internal monologue is literally me. Like, I'm like, you're being an idiot, but I'm not going to stop. <laughs> so I just love her so much. She, She's she amazing. She has the audacity. And, you know, more of that, right? We love that. That's why we like these characters. Uh, we 
obviously we're going to talk about the books. We have been talking about the books, but I feel like, and Jess, probably you too, we can't really talk about these books unless we kind of touch on the impact that social media has had, right? Like TikTok really uh, kind of took off for you, right? Like, Yeah, I am every single day blown away by the amount of people who give a shit what comes out of my mouth. Like, I, And I say it every single day. I... Um, I'm a really insecure person by nature and I didn't want to post it first. Um, I didn't really like, I've been a lurker on book talk for two years and I've posted like random videos that never really did anything. And then one day, like I had been going on lives with like KB and Kenny and Taylor and Shan and, um, like a bunch of the girlies. And then I, told them that I had some ideas and I kept trying to give them ideas and they loved my ideas. They were like, Deanna, do it. And so I had this entire idea for like, what if the bat boys had Snapchat and like the cringy photos that they would send girlies on Snapchat. (laughs) And then I sat down at my computer one day and I was like, well, what if they had a hotline? (laughs) And then I filmed it and I recorded it and I sent it. And my husband has been a trooper on the videos that I bring him on because (laughs) that man suffers. (laughs) Well, the Manon video is just fantastic. Like we love that, right? (laughs) Such a good sport. Honestly, it's so funny because like nobody actually got that because honestly, it was me calling out the just like gross men (laughs) who like prey on book talk. (laughs) They're the worst. The background worst i'm so bad or like just just to get just to get the clout just to like oh we're like it's just uh, you know when it's it's like i know not all men but when they do stuff like that you're like all men like really i stand by lisa and cassian and asriel would never and if these men read the books i would say nothing because there are guys that i support on this app that read the books i of course i want the opposite sex to be more intelligent maybe we wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in right now but it's them literally doing this and calling it resand for me. Yeah, that that's it. This is them holding up the book and scowling at the camera, and I'm just like, no. Yeah, like, we want to talk about bare minimum. That's like yeah. below bare minimum. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that I am, I'm, I welcome the thought every single day. Like, I don't think like. I would be half the person that I am without insecurity. And like someone should have given them, given them their healthy dose is the problem. And they weren't given their healthy Well, what's that meme? I wish I had the, the courage, the audacity of a mediocre white, white, man. white man. Yeah, no, literally. And like Josh, even like at the end of the Manon video, like the whole point was the interview at the end where I said, and how did that make you feel? And he's like, I lost a little self-respect there for a second. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and how do you think a Braxos would feel? And he's like, not good. And I'm like, bestie, how do you not get the point? How do you not get the point? Because I would have no problem if they were reading the books and consuming the material and understanding the characters that they're cosplaying. Like some of the brilliant women on this app and gays, days and those that sashay on this app, like literally cosplay and put their entire archer on Usi into these characters. And then you have a man just holding up a book and he gets a million views. And I'm like, bestie, please just read it. 
Well, you do, though, really pull in the views. I was looking. Uh, you have, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't mind, uh, three series going on your TikToks. So you have background character confessions, reality TV characters, and then the hotline. Is that right? Yes. My reality TV one is mostly just like when I don't have other content and like I don't want to film film um, <laughs> because I just do editing, which is actually one of the harder ones because I have to literally sit there and crop like around the Bat Boys wings to put them like in the, <laughs> like, the thing. So it is, actually is one of the harder ones that I do. But um, I also have my drawing... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're enjoying yeah. talkers draw- yes. series, mm-hmm. which um, is one of my favorite ones, actually. <laughs> it's just so chaotic and so feral. Um, but my, um, but yes, I have three main series going on, mostly two, um, because, like I said, the reality TV one is mostly just like when I don't want to, like when I'm not feeling well and I don't want to have to have my face in the camera. Creating content is exhausting. It is exhausting. It is. And well, and I script all of my content. Um, so like I might sit here in a messy bun with a pen behind my ear, but I do script all of my content and then I have to edit it down and then I have to edit the video to make sure that it fits. And then I have to like find the fan art and like the fan artist to make sure I'm crediting them and everything. And so it is actually like kind of exhausting. Like, making sure you're creating original and unique content that people will want to see. And then the, the freaking algorithm is so hard too. And so many creators are struggling with the algorithm in general, because we're creating content that like, obviously people follow you for, but then you're seeing the views where they're not even seeing it. And you're just like, it's not getting pushed to the people who follow you. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening? Like, why, why is this happening? And so you just, it's like meant to kind of make you deprecate and like feel bad about yourself. And it's such a shit algorithm, to be honest, because like you might be pushed out. You might not. You might have a video do really well. Like I have like a feral one about Cassie and telling the gross men (laughs) to cease and desist. And that one's doing really well. But like the other ones that I've done are just like kind of flopping lately. And I'm just like, all right, it is what it is. Well, the the one that I found very helpful just for me personally was what you posted on the 12th of July, which was the editing help. That was just like really, really, we're not gatekeeping anything here, right? Like we share and that was just so nice. And, and something that you, I mean, I say you, but like, I do not see other creators like helping. I don't mean that in a mean way, but like that was just a nice kind of peek right behind the scenes of what of of what like you do obviously because you you put out a lot of videos and they're all like very nice um but you don't see people do behind the scenes stuff and i just thought that was a really nice peek into the fact that like social media is difficult and trying to work the algorithm in a way that keeps your old audience engaged pulls in new people but then uh like like for you but also then bridges the gap to kind of push book stuff like your book, right? Yes. Because you yeah. don't you don't want to constantly push your book because then that will alienate the people that were there for your like fun cut. It's a whole balancing yeah. act. It's so hard. Why is it so hard? It has been like one of those things that has actually been such a struggle is finding out what will be successful 
Um, because you're right. Like I've seen authors, like, um, I have like author friends and I've seen other authors who really just like do struggle to grow on the app. And it's because they're just pushing like their book content. And honestly, it's really hard. Like if you haven't already garnered like a following to push out book stuff that people will be interested in because they're more likely to swipe unless they've heard of the book book before. Like probably one of my most successful promo videos was when I bridged the gap between Cassie and I talking about my book and just talking to Cassie. And that was bringing us like the people in who watch my hotline videos and then being like, if you like this, here is, there's a threesome in chapter 10. You're welcome. <laughs> Which is like so refreshing that, not that I don't mind if the threesome isn't refreshing. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. I like that. It's so early on in the book. Yeah. Like I didn't have to do this. Wait, this like song whole thing. and dance about it. Just like, that was one of those moments where I had no say, like I literally <laughs> had no plan for that. And then Blair took his pants off at the party and I was like, Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> well, well, th- this is an excellent point, um, Blair, King-, King Blair. Tell me about King Blair. Where where did this inspiration come from? This man is like, woof. He is just like such a mixture. Like, think like Cal Drogo and Maui and like, I don't even know. Like, he's just, I'm so in love with him. Like, <laughs> I get so nervous about Blair. He's my character. He lives inside my head. But I love that man so deeply. I would literally break my own spine for him. Like, that scene alone leading into it. I was like, this could go either way. He could just be like a voyeur and want to watch everything. Or he's going to participate. Or he's just like been watching Liam and Jane's dynamic the whole time. And he's like, I'm going to play matchmaker. You know, like the meme where it's like, now kiss. <laughs> like That's what it felt like. But I mean, I'm very glad that everybody like good, good for all of them. Good. I was very happy for all of them. A lot of people like I don't talk about it online. So you guys are like getting a hot like piece of information. Um, Part of my world building was I was trying to figure out like when I first started planning Rune and Roses, it was just literally Lunasa and Fairy. That's it. And I was I was like, that doesn't really like make sense as far as like a fully formed world. Um, so the more I did research, the more I wanted to know, like I looked into like, well, what causes like issues between like places and like, I took in modern day and I was like, you know, like war, you know, there's war, there's jealousy, there's envy, like, and the more I did that, I was like, that sounds familiar. And so I researched the seven deadly sins. So fun facts my world building is largely based on the seven deadly sins. So Ellesmere is gluttony. Cardaro is lust. Waylon is wrath. Lunasa is envy. And then fairy is greed. And then Balthazar is sloth because that man never does anything for himself. And so, yeah. So like nobody actually, there's only like two people and like, I've never talked about it online, but you're, you guys are more than welcome. Cause no, I've been waiting for people to pick it up and nobody picked it up. So I'm just going to announce it, I guess now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, I was like, <laughs> yeah, like it's duh. right there. <laughs> and everybody I tell it to is like, that makes so much sense, but nobody's picking it up. So I'm just like, but it's also not a huge point of the story. Like it doesn't actually matter to the story. It's just how I world built. So that is like Cardaro, like the king of Cardaro is lust. 
And so like his, uh, like his character, even the way he's introduced, the way he's described with like, you know, the, like the girls and the guys who are like hanging on him and like the way he's literally like wearing shorty shorts and takes his shorts off and the way we celebrate nuptials and Cardaro is getting naked and like all of that, like that's him. Whereas like, or about in contrast, Raph is described like she's described as like angular and like she's got like this like scaled looking armor on at this party and then Liam shows up and her face like softens and all of a sudden she's like hello you know what I mean like she's like excuse because I, I mean, mean Liam, same, I, I do wouldn't, the same way but yeah so like that's um that's kind of where the world building came from. So I knew that Blair was going to be more free and he just like kind of wrote himself from there. And I'm just, like I said, I all hail King Blair. I love that man so much. And talking about world building, can you tell me about the magic system and then jumping off of that just a little bit, I want to go into the curse. Uh, So I love, I love the magic system. Can you tell me like where, where did that come from? And then I just would, I'm just dying about the curse. So the magic system was a collaborative effort. So I'm pagan. And when I did PR, like everybody got like a talisman and it's a crystal on like a wrap, a wire wrap chain. Um, And I was at the store and I was looking at them and I was just like, imagine like if these like were a source of power. I can't go too deeply into it because part of the magic building system, the magic and the world building of the magic system, like, we find out more later. But I loved the contrast of magic. Like you don't actually have magic. It is stored in this thing. Like when Liam loses his talisman, he he's tapped and he's just standing there like helpless. Um, and so I loved that, the idea of that. And I loved the idea of, again, a powerless female learning how to wield power. So when I thought about like dark versus light magic, a lot of times in stories like blood magic is considered like an adverse magic. And so I loved the idea of like, again, like kind of the contrast of like the manipulation with like her mentor convincing her to do a dark magic, like a bad magic. And she thinks like it's the only way she can be powerful. So she like cuts her hand to please this man and to get a job done for this man. And I just, I'd like to, I'm excited to see, to for you guys to see where she goes from that. But I can't give any more than that. <laughs> and Jane does say like uh, the, the sulfur smell, um, like, so she, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it seems yep. to me that like Jane is under the impression that like the magic that she is doing is like the pure form of magic because of the sulfur smell of the other magic. So um, s- she is associating it that way. I find that that part of it very interesting um, just from your explanation too, because then we have to talk about uh, the mentor, right? Ugh. And and that that man. You did a great job writing him right off the bat. <laughs> I hated him. I hated him the whole time. I was like, this fucking man. The whole time, every time something happened, whether he was gaslighting her or like grooming her in a weird way. Yes. Telling her not to eat. Oh telling her my God. every... I was like, I mean, hate him. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. You did a fabulous job in making... The reader hate him. I, I I just cannot praise you enough. 
wanted thank to like you. punch him regularly, but you did that. You're like, so thank you. Well, and Balthazar and Arius were uh, two of my least favorite and favorite characters to write. Um, some of Arius's lines literally made me ill, and particularly Balthazar's lines when he would mention her eating made me ill. But it felt so necessary because, like, um, so there's a line in book two where Jane mentions, like, it's interesting when she thinks uh, when she thinks about how the ugly in the world can be masked by a beautiful face. And it was so important to me, like with my history and my life to bring up the fact that this man could be beautiful because Balthazar is very clearly beautiful. Jane is very clearly conflicted by this. Um, And like, he knew exactly the right words to say to manipulate her and to groom her in a sense. And even Arius is a beautiful, overconfident little shit. And Um, but I really wanted the contrast of like, it's not always going to be a hideous person manipulating you because like most often in my life, I was manipulated by a beautiful face and a charming smile and the right compliment at the wrong time. And I wanted that for Jane's character. So that way, the moment when she says like, she realizes Balthazar is manipulating her, it's like, that much more jarring because obviously as the reader you're like duh bitch like I've known that since page two honestly like get it together but like at the same time I feel like a lot of readers were rooting for her and we're so proud of her in that moment because if you've been in that situation we all have that moment where we're like oh my fucking god but even a little before that you almost think that like you have that moment and even after she's like now what do I do with this information? Because I'm still so conflicted because how many people are in those situations, again, where you're self-aware and then you're like, but fuck, like I still got, I still have all the feels. I don't know what to do with them. I'm so conflicted because it's not just, you know, she's in a constant state of confliction with her emotions, whether it's with Liam, whether it's with like, you know, even with her sister, with like, I mean, she has so much going on in her life and it's just, it's very real um, to what so many of us go through. Yeah. And that was really important to me in general, because like, if there's ever like, if there's ever anything anyone knows about me who knows me personally, like, I could literally be so angry at someone. But if I care about them, I will literally sit there and feel so conflicted. And I'm like, I I don't know if I can say anything, because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I don't want you know, I don't want to make you feel bad that I think this and I don't want you to feel bad. Like in professional settings, I've done it in personal settings, I've done it. And like, I'll get frustrated. And I'll just be so angry. But then I'll hold it in, hold it in, hold it in stack, 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 be examining everything, be conflicted, be going back and forth, be like venting to people. And then like, one day, eventually, hopefully, in most of those situations, I finally figure it out. And I'm like, okay, actually, like, I need to, like, put a wall between me and this person because, like, it's not good. But, like, I've also been in situations, like, growing up, like, where I watched my mom in a really bad relationship and watched her see that she was being treated shitty, but it doesn't dissolve the love that she had for that person despite the bad, like, the awful bad because what a lot of people don't realize when they look at, like, manipulative and, and, like, and abusive situations is, like, the bad is really shitty, but the good feels so good, even if it's literally a, a fraction of the time. 
And like, you'll get those moments and that's how they keep their claws at you is you get those moments of, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And then they make you feel like it's your fault. And so I really wanted to exemplify that with Jane because she ended up being so much like me in so many ways. And like, obviously so different for me in a lot of ways, but she ended up like internally being so like me. And because like, you see the conflict, like you see her hating Liam, like wanting to hate Liam and still being like, God, I hate that. I love him. Like once she realizes like she's still in love with him, she's like, I fucking hate him for making me love him. And you see the conflict with her with Balthazar, the moment she realizes that she he's manipulating her, but she still does it. Like she still completes the next job he requires of her. And then you see her still hope that he's going to help her. Like when Arius shows up at the end, like you see that moment where she still hopes like for after all hope that he's been like just playing the long game this whole time. And that just felt so real to me set in a, set in a fantasy setting. And I don't think that we get that very often. And of course you're referring to page uh, 212 in the ebook. Um, and Jane says that when she's talking to Balthazar, it was the first time that she realized her mentor was manipulating her. And I, when I read that the first time I was just like, Oh yes, this is going to get real. This is going to be great. And of course it was, it was very exciting. Please tell me about the curse and where the curse came from and and what what details we can get into about the curse. Because in my head, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I have the absolute honor and privilege to ask you in person. So if you could just go through it, I would love that. So I will start with the curse is supposed to still confuse the shit out of you by the end of the book. Perfect. A lot of people who even those that like the book have been so shitty, like with me, like not in like a bad way, like in a, like in a good way. I love, I love them. And they'll just be like, Deanna, like you have to give me more. And I'm like, no, like I literally could not. Like Jane is confused. So you're confused. Um, But there is so much more. Like I said, there's 500 years of history. Um, And what I can tell you without spoiling anything is that there are three curses. There are three and I can't, I can't say much more than that, but I can, I can elaborate on what caused, like what, like my idea, like came from with the curses were yet again, like what are things that would fuck up and put a rife between like different kingdoms and like different continents. We already have, like I said, we have the seven deadly sins. And then what are other things in that are a magical thing that will cause issues. And also I was living in El Paso, which is like literally the desert. And I hated it there, which is where I got the idea for like everything being dead in Lunasa. That's, that's it. (laughs) Um, But um, other than that, like the history of it, when I was developing the kingdoms is when I came up with the history and came up with the curses and how that they, how they were affected. And I can say that one person disseminated three curses. Um, and I loved the idea of that. And again, like the contrast of that, but I really don't trust myself to say much more without spoiling it because I want to talk about it so badly. That's perfect though. And Laura and I, cause we, again, we both read the book. You had mentioned like, you can't, you're supposed to be confused and people are like, why I need to know more. And I think that's also like we were saying, 
it's such a good foundation for a first book because if you give everything away in the first book, then it just kind of becomes a standalone, which is fine when you're creating a standalone. But when you're creating this, this universe that you've created with the cursed kingdoms, you, you have, you have your reader hooked to be like, okay, I need, maybe I, I still have questions, but that's, that's the whole point. You have the questions. So you want to go into that second book to get more answers, hopefully, or like some authors were like, okay, now I got some answers, but now I have more questions. And that also happens, especially when you've created a world that has like 500 years of history. You do get a lot more information in Shadows and Lies, but you also do end with a lot more questions. <laughs> but that's yet again, where like the prequel answers so many questions. Because I honestly, one of the biggest things that I hate in a book is info dump. Like I literally... Like, it's actually the bane of my existence. So I have gotten both sides of it. Like, some readers love the way that I, like, woven information. And some readers hated it because they wanted to just, like, be able to grab the information and hold on to it. But I personally really just don't like an info dump. And that's just not how I write. So I very much tried to make it feel like you were getting the information, like, with Jane. Like, every bit of information she was able to receive, that's when you had it. And... That's how I did my world building. I call it quiet world building. And that's um, that's just what I prefer just because I feel like you don't have to have 200 pages of info dump to explain your world. And it could be overwhelming for certain, like for some people too, to have all the info dump where it like turns them off from reading the book. And obviously as an author, you're like, I don't want to turn people away from my book. I want no. people to read my book. <laughs> no, yeah, well, and like, my thing is, honestly, if, if I wouldn't read it, why am I going to write it? Um, and I, like, I'm dyslexic. And so personally, like, if I can't get into a book within the first 10 chapters, I'll put it down because I'm not going to waste my time, like, and struggle through a book because it's, it's actually pretty hard. Like, I have to, like, sit there and, like, it takes me longer to read certain things. Um and I'm not going to sit there and like struggle through an entire like 800 page book if I can't get into it in the first 10 chapters. And if it, if the first 10 chapters is just like you throwing information at me and I have not connected with a, a single character in that 10 chapters, I'm, Bestie, I'm so sorry. It's got to go. And so like that, that's where I like really developed that if I wouldn't read it, why would I write it? Like I don't write contemporary as much as I love contemporary I don't find myself reaching for it as often. And it's, and it, that's why I don't write it. I have an entire contemporary idea, but I probably will never write it just because it's like not my style. And also cell phones and books freaks me out. It gives me anxiety. <laughs> I don't know why. It's totally fair. <laughs> uh, you're, so you're talking about, uh, you know, writing, you're talking about ideas and your characters and, and everything. Um, can you touch just as, briefly as you are comfortable uh, with the publishing process. What was that like for you? Was that, was that challenging? I cannot imagine. So I'm an indie published um, author. I, it wasn't super challenging. I will say like there were hiccups, like I had covering issues. Like I, I originally wanted a fan art cover, um, but I had issues with that. Like I had issues with my map. And then I met like an incredible like cartographer who designed the map for the book. Um, and then I um, found a team to like help me and like work through that. Um, KDP was pretty seamless. I fully do recommend it for like indie authors. 
The harder one was like getting hardbacks done because KDP does not offer dust jacketed hardcovers, but Ingram Sparks does. But that in and of itself has its own slew of issues. Like it takes longer to get approvals and like literally like 10 times this week, my book has said out of stock on Amazon, even though it's print on demand. Um, but overall, like, no, as far as indie, indie publishing is not as hard, but like I did, I have submitted over like 300 query letters throughout the last like four years. And that part was hard and defeating. Cause like, I just didn't think, like, I started thinking, like, I just wasn't that good at this and that maybe I should not do this anymore. Which is not the case. That is not the case. So that was a little hard. But as far as indie publishing, I don't think it's that hard. Honestly, it's the indie advertising that's really hard Mm. Um, more than anything. And I don't know. I don't know if others would agree, but that's just my experience. Do you feel like it's because it's like, it's just, it's you? You know, it's kind of, it feels like very one, you know, and of course, like people that you know who want to like put your content out there as well. Well, like we talked about with TikTok, like I really did luck out with becoming a part of such a beautiful freaking community. And I would not, I am literally so humbled and easy. It's so easy for me to say, like, I would not have half of the sales and recognition for my book that I have without the people who fell in love with me and the book and Jane. And so I did luck out in that. But before that, yeah, like just being me. And then also I made the mistake of choosing a name that's very similar to another book. And that that alone has been my own nightmare because <laughs> I've heard great things about Avery of Roses and I fully support Camp Breed. I love her, adore her. Um, but it's so hard when people are like, I just got the audiobook. And I'm like, babe, there's no audiobook. <laughs> there's actually no audiobook. Uh, I heard good things about that book, though. Love that for you. Um, <laughs> so that's been hard. And then, like, being, like, my own, like, like, my own PR team, like, my own person, like, my own person, like, commenting back on everybody's things and my own person, like, um, like even like getting messages about the book. Like I love getting messages and reactions about the book, but sometimes it's so hard. And some of the girlies are absolutely feral. <laughs> sometimes they just like message about chapter 10 and they're just like feral. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, let's talk about chapter 10. Let's talk about <laughs> chapter 10. Two part question. What was it like writing this level of spice? Part one, part two, have your relatives read this? <laughs> Uh, part one, yes. There are so many fucking limbs. <laughs> there are so many body parts. That's the best answer I've ever heard. That's a new title of the episode. There's, There's so, many so many limbs. limbs. <laughs> there are so many body parts. And I really think sexy talk is disgusting, but in books, I love it. <laughs> but like... Then I have my husband like peeking over my shoulders, seeing like Blair say something like hot. And he's like, do you want me to do that? And I'm like, no. No. (laughs) No. You're typing this with a straight face, babe. Are are you okay? (laughs) I'm literally sitting at this counter in the middle of my family home, like writing the boat seat, like just stone. And he like comes over and he's like, good meanwhile like anything so much as sad or happy happens and i'm sitting here sobbing like full-blown corn i'm like 
he's just like, you good? <laughs> and so it wasn't hard to write per se, but it was hard to, again, but like, there's so many fucking limbs. And then you also like, there are only so many words you can use for certain things. And I pride myself on not repeating words throughout the manuscript too much, but there are only so many words for dick. Okay. And there's a lot more, there are a lot more words for dick than there are for the girly stuff. Okay. And if I ever see like someone suggest on the internet, the word clam again, (laughs) I will end it all. I will end it all because every, every fucking list in existence says clam. (laughs) Every single one. Katie Robert, she talked about something. She's like, apparently there's a thesaurus out there and it's for like, you know, spicy words. Yeah, spicy, spicy part thesaurus. And she's like, I looked at this book and I don't think you want you don't want authors to know using these. <laughs> these words that y'all think are okay. Could you imagine if they were like, and she, and, and you know, and I was, I, I wrapped my hand around his eggplant emoji. Like, no, honey, that's not how this that's goes. Deep. That's deep. Get the fuck out of my face. I, I would rather eat a bullet. I'm going to be honest. I literally looking up synonyms for sexy bits was my 13th reason. I don't know how I'm still here. <laughs> What's your favorite? Like my favorite or like my joking favorite? <laughs> your joking your favorite. Joking favorite. <laughs> Nubs. <laughs> and it's used for three different locations. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think about <laughs> and I will never, I will never. <laughs> I did get personally thanked for using the word dick because apparently a lot of authors are really scared of the word dick. But again, there are only so many words, Bestie, and I'm not going to use like pole or rod. Pole. Like, not- <laughs> oh, no, not rod. Please, not rod. rod. I'm just not going to do it. He slammed just- his rod. <laughs> impaled <laughs> his rod. Jess is, is impaled. Jess yeah, cannot hate- take impaled. I cannot take impaled. That's like a big, like. I'm just not going to do it. It's so violent. Like, I'm like, so- I, ex- I, like, there's, for me, this is just a me thing. I, you know, I impaled. I don't. I don't think romance. I don't think like this beautiful moment. I think some some bad things are happening if you're getting impaled. Oh my god! No, literally, that's the hardest part. And then the dialogue was so hard for me because, like, I to this day cannot read any of those lines out loud. I love them. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'll be like, all right, like in my head internally if josh ever said them to me i would probably be ill like i (laughs) i I just don't like but that's just me like i love that for other girlies and other people who like can enjoy sexy and spicy talk like it's just not for me like i can't take my husband seriously if he's if he so much as is like you like that get the fuck out of my face i actually hate it now i hate it now i hate it now and it can never be done again. This is, this is, yeah, never again. <laughs> I can't handle it. So I have game though. I did learn that. I did learn that because excuse, like some of them, I was just like, ma'am. <laughs> like, 
And it's not like, like, and I mean, what I like, what's nice is that it also doesn't take away from the story either. And I mean, that's, that's great if like, you know, there are some books that are like smut specific or erotica, however you want to do. But like, if you, even if you took those scenes out, it doesn't take away from the plot of the book, but the, yeah. the spicy scenes that are spicy, they're great. Yeah. I don't consider, I honestly don't consider Ruin and Roses to be smut. Um, there was a video actually specifically on TikTok that was like spice versus spicy versus smut versus, um, Oh, it was like a Venn diagram one, right? Yeah. It was like a Venn yes. diagram. And I don't, I don't like my book is spicy, but it's not smut. Your book has spice. Yeah. There is a fully developed plot that has nothing to do with the spice. However, for anybody listening and for you too, the spice always hides foreshadowing and secrets. I believe that. I believe, I believe that. that. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that because the spice, the spice gave us the glimpse of tattoos. And I have, you know, like, right, <laughs> right. We know, we know. We love, we love, we love all of this. We love all of this. Uh, this is so fun. Oh my gosh. I'm shifting directions to June 7th when we had a very sad day. I say we, um, a, a sad day on TikTok about piracy. Do you want to expand about that a little bit? Uh, I, it's so funny because when I started on TikTok, I told my friend KB on a live that if I ever cried on TikTok, that was the day I ended it all. <laughs> um, that fucking sucked. If I'm being honest, like, Cause I had like people who said like they wouldn't read the book until it was in paperback and they wouldn't read the book until it was in hardcover. And then as soon as hardcover the release, I had people asking about audiobooks. and I also have my book in Kindle unlimited. I went with Ingram sparks. So that way people could request it at their libraries and request it at local bookstores. And that was such a hard, like gut punch. Um, because it had already happened once before, but it was like one time and it was easy enough to get the site taken down. But I think that that is honestly such a shitty thing to think that you have a right freely to something that I created and I'm working towards like, this is my career. Like I don't do anything else. Like I know that there are a lot of authors who do this and work another job. I am lucky enough that my husband has a decent job and I'm doing this, but I work my ass off. Like I'm the one who paid to get ebook covers. I'm the one who paid to get paperback and hardback covers and a hardback dust jacket. I'm the one who paid for formatting for all three things. I'm the one who paid for editing. I paid for the map. I paid for all of these things to enhance your reader experience. And I also, on top of that, worked my ass off. Like I worked my ass off and I did. Like I sometimes miss out on time with my kids because I'm going through edits or because I have a scene that's in my head that I have to get down because I know that the readers will love it. And like sometimes I miss out on time with my husband and I miss out on TV shows. Like I'm behind on so many shows that everybody's talking about. I'm behind on books. I've read one book this year despite the fact that that's the least amount of books I've ever read in my entire life in a year. And I'm losing that time to create something for people. And to think that people have the fucking audacity to think that they're owed that it is not a right. It is not a privilege. And I grew up in poverty. Like I literally grew up 
never even getting to own my own books, like having to go to the library and having to check out library books and having teachers buy me books because I couldn't afford books. And so I'm speaking from experience when I say you do not fucking deserve my book. You don't. You are not owed my book for free. I put a lot of time and effort into it. And it makes me so angry and sad to think that something that I worked so hard on could be so underappreciated. Um, and I'm getting like a little like gross, but I just like, it just makes me so upset to think that people could look at, like you would never go to a doctor and ask them to perform a surgery for free. And that's a medical need. You would never go to the store and ask for food for free. And that's a life need. Like you would never do these things. So why do you think that this thing that you don't need in your life? And honestly, quite frankly, it's not benefiting your life to read about Jane fucking a King (laughs) Pirate dude. How do you think that you deserve the work that I put into that despite and the money? I haven't broken even on the money that I put into R&R. And I have a decent amount of sales, but I haven't broken even. And so how do you think that you, you earn that? There's like a sense of entitlement. Yeah, the the entitlement. Yeah, absolutely. Like, come on. It's just so shitty. (laughs) It is. It is so shitty. But what is not shitty is our love for you, our love for your book and the book talk love and like in general for the community. So we have talked about your book in very broad strokes. Like we're not really spoiling anything, but that's the point. Um, I want to talk about the end of your book because we're ending on on like a cliffhanger, right? Like who is yes. this person? Who is this person? Um, you cannot tell us. I know this. Did you know that like the end was just going to be a cliffhanger? Did you know you were going to do that to us? So I knew exactly how it was going to end, but I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> Well, because you're with it all the time, right? Like you're in it. Yeah. Until, well, I mean, Shadows and Lies ending is, is it sucks. Like it sucks. <laughs> it's a full, it, like it's a huge cliffhanger. And I didn't think Shadows and Lies or Root and Roses really had that much of a cliffhanger because most of the problems were resolved, right? So like, obviously you have this mysterious person. Obviously a lot of people are wondering like, where is Caleb? And a lot of people are wondering, like, like how is Dree going to, like, deal with things? But I didn't think, like, because there's, like, new problems arisen, but, like, there's not necessarily a continuation of, like, the one problem. The one problem is, it's done. you know. It's done. <laughs> so I didn't think it was going to be that bad. And then the messages started pouring in, and everybody was like, Deanna, how did you leave it like that? And I'm like, Oh God, I literally had a full mental breakdown when I started getting the messages because I know like all of the ends of the books are planned and I knew how Shadows and Lies was going to end and I was like, oh, they're going to kill me. <laughs> so so does SNL pick up immediately where R&R ended? Yes. Okay. So SNL is um, like literally like you're maybe 30 minutes into the future after R&R ended. Okay. Um, so you're literally like right back up. You learn by chapter, I think three, who the woman is, but there's also three POVs. And you have mentioned in the prequels that there are, I think you said five POVs. Mm -hmm. Is there, 
And, and I'm saying like generally because I don't I don't want you to give away anything for characters. But is there a POV that is difficult for you? Like you just it's just hard to get in there. Yes. Um. So every I've actually announced. So Shadows and Lies is Dree, Liam, and Jane. And I had no issues. That was so seamless. Like I actually loved them. I was so worried about Liam because he was the first time I've ever written a dude. And I was like, I actually hate this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I loved it. Um, I'm a great dude, to be honest. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, did you get insight from your husband to get like... Absolutely the- not. Okay. Absolutely not. Josh Josh is a girl's guy. A bunch of his character development, the only thing was getting in his head. And I, like, he lived inside my head. And so his banter continues. He's like a little simp. Ugh, I love him. I love, I love him so much. simp. um but the prequel i i so there are five characters in the prequel who have povs um there's one character named alina who we briefly ish meet a few times in shadows and lies and her character has been so hard to get into um to the point where like i thought about cutting her pov but like her character is so important to the prequel and i hate her for now for now i'm hoping i end up liking her but for now i hate her so much like it's just like (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not even her fault she's done nothing wrong she's such a sweet girly like but for now like the one chapter she has so far i'm like i hate this chapter i hate her i don't know what to do so much oh my god (laughs) i don't want to be like can you just die already because i don't know what she might she might might. we don't know I know. Like, honestly, no spoilers, but it's not even in the plans. And I'm like, Bestie, you might have to be killed off. I don't know what to do here. I actually don't know what to do. I hate you so much. <laughs> and she's not a bad person. Like I said, she's a sweet girl. And I even better. I don't know what it is about you. I just hate you. You don't vibe. You don't vibe. Honestly, it gives, like, it very much gives, like, a lead when we first get her POV in Throne of Glass. And, like, Manon, like, the like when we get the witches POVs. And not everybody is like this, but most people who I've talked to, like, when you first get those POVs, you're like, why are you here? Actually, take me back to Aelin. Take me back to my girly right now. That's me with Alina. I'm like, I actually fucking hate you. What are you doing here? And I didn't want that. That was never my goal. So I'm like, I have to spruce you up. Like, I have her full character developed. But for whatever reason, I can't get into her head enough. Even though, like, she's fully developed. Like, I fully know her history, her future, like, everything. And, like, her tics and all of that. But, like, I hate her guts. Like, I hate her so much. And I just don't, um, I hope it fixes itself before the prequel. You will know. I will let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. We're talking about these characters. We're talking about these these POVs. This is just a question that I had. Um, Where'd you get these names? These are great names. Um, They were so hard. Actually, it's a a mixture between like Pinterest, um, baby name boards, and literally some of them are just scrambled letters. Like I, I knew like the first letter and like the sounds that I wanted them to be. And I would just scramble them like in a word scrambler. Like the name, the last name Telic was literally a word scrambler name. Hmm. I love with Jane's name, like in R&R, where they're like, 
uh, Princess Janae. And she's like, it's, it's Jane. That's one of my favorite parts <laughs> because my editor was like, did I misread something? Like, excuse? And I was like, no, keep reading. Actually, keep, keep <laughs> Because I did the same thing. I was like, I highlighted it. And I go, oh, okay. I, I guess this is just like Jane's just the nickname for Jane. And then I read it. I was like, this is so good. Because <laughs> I also know somebody named Janae. So I was like, oh, I've never called her Jane before. But like, maybe that's just a nickname. It was just so great. And she's like, no, it's just Jane. I love it so much. I love that so much. Nobody really talks about that moment. And it is one of my favorite moments. Like there's so many random moments that just like popped in my head as I was writing. Like my favorite quote, I think hands down, that's just like a dumb Liam quote was I'm an ass, you're a bore between us. We're halfway to a petting zoo. And that will stick with me for the rest of my life. But I have no clue where it came from. Like it literally like Liam is such a like a sassy bitch. I love it. So oh, I he really it. is, but he's sexy too. Like, I also love um all the dad jokes that Jane was going through when she was naming the boar. She's like, I would have gone with like all these. I was like, these Nobody are so good. Nobody talks about it. That's literally like one of my because that's me. That's like my humor peeking out. Like, she's like the boar. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Like, we love puns. It's very punny. Very punny. We love it. We love it. <laughs> Men, but men, men are just not into it that way, right? They're not, they're not creative like that, especially, no. especially that man. And he's like, we're going to name him Swins, or, uh, Winston, Winston, that's a strong name. And she's like, I'll be calling him Swinston, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's amazing. And that is me. <laughs> you do you. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> that's like, she's like literally telling Arya's that. She's like, mm-hmm, whatever you say, it's not what I'm going to sure, do. Sure, sure, sure. One of my favorite interactions between Arius and Jane is when he like grabs her wrist and she's like, honestly, I wanted to be mad, but like, this is also the most interesting he's been since I met him. And I literally was like, Jane, you feral bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I personally really love when Jane is like, oh my God, I like came on to, um, to Liam's dad. Like, oh my God, like he's, oh my God, that was so good. (laughs) My friend who just finished Rona Roses calls him Captain Crinkly Eyes. And it's been sending me an orbit since she texted it to me. <laughs> I can't unsee it. And she's like, you described this. And I was like, Bessie. <laughs> that's like that's like two books ago. I know what he looks like, but I didn't realize I gave him crinkly eyes. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to check the notes. One of my favorite kind of relationships that are in this Ruin and Roses book, um, very specifically, is the the sibling relationship, right? Because we have a lot of we have a lot of this, but then we have a really beautiful sister relationship kind of blossom out of this. Um, I I'm an only child, like I don't I don't have any of this, so I really love to read about sisters. It's just it's like you know, you always want the thing you don't have. And like, obviously, Uh, so I really liked seeing their relationship kind of like change and and kind of flow and for Jane to kind of like see new things about her sister and and put everything in a different context. I really loved that. And to see her kind of, um, I don't know, just form a bond that that wasn't there before. But also, it's not like a it's not like a joint, like pain, awful trauma bond either. It, it's more like a, I don't know, like a, it's just happier. It's a mutual respect. Yeah. Too, is mostly what I, 
So I grew up in like, obviously I went to foster care, but I have a sister and a brother biologically and they would always like team up against me. And like, it was always them against me. And so like, that's where like a lot of the framework for the serpent siblings came from. And then, like I said, I started writing Dree and the more I wrote her, I was like, fuck, I love her. God damn it. Like shit. And it was actually her first interaction with Lou where I was like, okay, all right, reworking everything. So I started writing Dree's character and I just, I fell in love with their relationship. And I also loved the accountability of the moment where Jane, because Jane is an unreliable narrator. We know this. Like there are things going on that she obviously doesn't see. She's very wrapped up in herself. She's not necessarily selfish, but she's very consumed by what's going on in her. So yeah, she's very tunnel vision. And the moment where Lou is like, did you not even consider like the, like why she's been so like upset since you've been gone, like since she's been back. And like, I love that moment of accountability where Jane had to like be like basically like bitch slapped into realizing like, hey dude, it's actually not all about you. Yeah, she and just watched everyone Lux, die. Like, yeah. And then the moment with Lux when she's sitting by the fire and like, or I, it might not have been by the fire. It might've been before that where Lux says like he found her and she threatened to like carve out his eyeballs or his spine. If he came any nearer. And I was just like, like Lux's like daddy, like, like father moments with them was just like some of my favorite. And I just feel like um, you'll get more, like, again, more details on that in SNL. But it just, uh, I love it so much. And I think that Lou and Lux were really heavy, like, heavily at play to their own, like, mutual respect that they were dating for each other. Because Dree is honestly such a bad bitch. I love her so much. She's become one of my favorite characters, actually. After writing her POV, she's become one of my top tier characters. I love that. I love that. And I'm piggybacking off of uh, Dree because I'm looking at your TikTok post from June 10th. And we have a little teaser into what she might um, maybe be doing in Shadows and Lies kind of relationship, maybe kind of stuff. I mean, that's not a spoiler. It's on the Internet. <laughs> it is on the Internet my everything so i'm bisexual and i don't think in general we get enough sapphic representation especially in fantasy and obviously jane's character um i like i truly believe like i said this in one of my hotline episodes i truly don't believe that i could write a straight character unless they were a straight up villain like i like, I think all of my characters lean a little bit, but like Dree's storyline, her romance line is sapphic. I'm so excited. And I love that for her. I love that for her. Um, cannot guarantee that like who you think is who you think is who you think, but that's only because I refuse to give spoilers. Um, As you should. I can say it's sapphic. Yes. Oh, that's oh, so, so excited. exciting. So oh my excited. gosh. Ah. <laughs> Um, I do. I do just want to say that I, I have been looking. You are a, a quite talented artist. You draw quite well. You, much better than I yeah. do. All I can do, like you're like, I, I, I can do a stick figure. That's as far as I, I <laughs> got. I've won Pictionary with stick figures, so I'm not knocking it. My stick figures are immaculate, though. They <laughs> are. You're, they you're are. Like, the, the first one that's coming that to my hand. Yeah, the wings and like 
I love the rune hair in your stick figures. Like there. So I'm going to try. I've never done it, but I'm going to try to do a 24 hour live on oh release day. 24 hours. I'm going to try. Listen, besties. I don't sleep anyways. But like, let that be the one time I'm tired. Might as well. Did you ever see the Shia LaBeouf thing where he watched all his movies in order and he didn't sleep? <laughs> it was like this performance art piece. And I'm going to his- try. <laughs> but it's mostly because like I have friends in like Australia and I have friends in like England and like I, they're everybody's like all over the place. And so I want people to be able to yell at me when they find out who the woman is because everybody's going to yell at me. Um, because literally nobody has guessed. I'm going to keep this anticipation like hot in my chest for this release. If you guessed it, you have to message me because literally nobody has been right. <laughs> literally nobody has been right. Perfect. Will do. Uh, so your new book, which is releasing very shortly, um, tell us what you can about it and then tell us the date and where to find it. So Shadows and Lies is... Um, we follow Jane, Andre, and Liam in different locations, different places, some of them together, some of them in steamier situations than others. Um, we follow each of them as they fight the things that have been like either chasing them, manipulating them, or, um, forcing their destinies in one location or like in one way direction or the other and it follows rune and roses obviously directly like it's back to back and we find out who each of them really are and what they would do and what sacrifices that they would make for the people that they love um it comes out august 31st um if you haven't Red Ruin and Roses, I recommend it if you haven't, well, I mean, or don't. <laughs> like, do or don't. You know what or I mean? Don't. I heard the, the author's kind of a bitch, but like, <laughs> if you haven't read it, I recommend it. If you've read it, I recommend a reread before it comes out because there is foreshadowing woven in everything. And it is going to be a wild ride. And just know that the author's note, I really mean every apology in the author's note. I cried a bunch. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so, so sorry. Please don't hate me. I love you all. <laughs> no, that makes you can, me more excited. Yeah. Like I love, I love <laughs> when the author says, I'm sorry in advance. I'm like, Ooh, yes. It's yes, going to be good. Me again. I love <laughs> yes. it. I love it. I love it. Uh, spice. What's the spice? Are we up? Or are we the same as book one? A little more. There's the same amount of spice in a lot of ways but like in a lot of ways there's more tension and there's technically one more scene but it's not like an actual scene but it's one of my favorite scenes (laughs) and so um we'll just say there's a party very early on i love a good party i love a good party I don't even care. I'm just like party. Like I taught my niece to say like, pa- like chant party. I'm I'm like a terrible influence as an aunt. Actually, I'm pretty awesome. But like it. I'm like party. Pa-. And now she like if I start chanting it, she bobs her head. So like we we love a party vibe. We love a good party, especially if it's a sexy party. Sexy parties are orgies. Ooh, so yeah. we love sexy orgy parties. <laughs> this is just where my mind went with all these context clues that you're giving me. I don't know one way or the other. But I'm stoked. I absolutely love it. Um, 
Uh, do you have any anything else that you want to pitch for us? And um, please, please tell us where all of our listeners can find you. Please tell us your socials. I am Deanna.arema on TikTok. I am Deanna Ortega author on Instagram. I have a readers group linked in all of my bios. And the only other thing upcoming is like I'm working um, with a couple shops to get merch out there. And Briarwick has made Blair, Liam, and Jane candles that will be going available for order soon. I have them in my office. I just have to get it sorted. Briarwick is like yeah, when everybody's like leading. Oh my yeah. God. They smell so good. They smell so good. And the merch, uh, your merch interest form is in your links. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Um, the more people who fill it out, the more the shops who are working to create merch know what people are wanting. Like we have some people who like all want the same thing. And like the more people we know that want a certain thing, the more we can work on it. Perfect. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, just for speaking for myself, thank you for being here. We absolutely loved it. I hope you had just as much fun as I did. Uh, I had a great time and I am very happy and very pleased that we all vibed so well. I did. Yeah, I had a great time. Please don't be a stranger. Please feel very welcome. Like we're all friends. This can be a platform to... Uh, spread the word of your book. So please use us as much as you want. Thank you so much. And thank you guys again so much for having me and just like making me feel comfortable being a lunatic. So we thank you for taking the time yeah. because like, it, you know, it, you put a lot of love and effort into your art and your craft. And the fact that like you even said in this episode, like you're taking time away from your family and you're from busy. Your art. You're a busy woman. And like the fact that you took that time to speak with us, we're like, we're so appreciative. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. You guys have a great day, okay? You, you too. too. Have we'll, a good we'll talk Sunday. To you soon. Thank Bye. you again. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Deanna, for joining us and make sure that you're following her on her socials. Instagram is Deanna Ortega author and TikTok is Deanna.orama. We're going to have our, all those details in our show notes along with her link tree information. And please make sure that you're joining us on Instagram. We have Akfe podcast and we're also both on TikTok, Akfe Laura and Akfe Jessica. Thanks so much and talk to you all soon. Bye.